We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we are looking once more again into the breach do we go to look at the notorious, the infamous, the one, the only, and actually not the one and only, it's like in not every form ever known, Shada, Douglas Adams' unfinished legendary episode of repeatedly Doctor finished. Who. Repeatedly finished again and again <laughs> episode. Shada, this time the animated version with Tom Baker. Aboard a space station, something sinister involving people and a ball has happened. The sinister Skagra leaves with his ball. Meanwhile, at Cambridge, a researcher named Chris Parsons stops in at the rooms of Professor Cronotus to borrow some books. Unbeknownst to him, he borrows a mysterious book from Cronotus's library. Meanwhile, the Doctor and Romana have come to Cambridge to visit Cronotus, who is a retired Time Lord friend of the Doctor's, who has been living at Cambridge for the last three centuries. He called the Doctor to get him to return a book to Gallifrey, the worshipful and ancient law of Gallifrey, one of the relics from Rassilon's time. Skagra wants that book too. And by what seems to be the most tortured of coincidences, the Doctor and Romana have turned up on the same day as Skagra, which also happens to be the day when Chris Parsons inadvertently borrowed the book, which has just been fine for the last three centuries. Skagra kills Cronotus by sucking his mind dry into the sphere. Comedy ensues as bicycles are ridden around Cambridge. While the Doctor pursues Chris and the book, and Skagra pursues the Doctor and the book. Meanwhile, Claire, a colleague of Chris's, gets drawn into the mystery when Chris attempts to analyze the book and discovers it has some very, very weird properties. Skagra gets the book and imprisons the Doctor Romana Canine and Chris Parsons aboard his invisible spaceship. Skagra sucks the Doctor's mind dry and learns that the Doctor didn't know what the book meant anyway, so he forces Romana to use the TARDIS to take him to his command ship. The Doctor, like Cronotus, has been killed by the Sphere. Unlike Cronotus, the Doctor really isn't dead. He defeated the Mind Drain by using one of his time-honored strategies, pretending to be stupid. The ship's computer knows the Doctor to be dead. The Doctor uses this to argue, logically, that since he was an enemy of Skagra, but now he's dead, he must therefore be an ex-enemy of Skagra. An ex-enemy is not a threat, and therefore anything he asks of the computer cannot possibly be a threat to Skagra. The computer accepts this and cooperates with the Doctor. Sans Tardis, the Doctor uses the ship to go in pursuit. Meanwhile, Claire, not knowing that Cronotus is dead, is waiting for him to return to his rooms. She accidentally launches his rooms into the time vortex, for you see, Cronotus's rooms are a TARDIS. Cronotus, now no longer dead, then shows up and demonstrating some very atypical Time Lord powers, works with Claire to get his TARDIS more operational. The Doctor has returned to the point where Skagra came to Earth from. It is a think tank, the Institute for Advanced Science Studies. He finds the now much, much older wizened and mindless scientists that Skagra nefariously did things to at the beginning of the episode. He stole their minds too. They were the greatest minds in the galaxy. The Sphere, it turns out, is a device for collecting minds. 
Skagra has taken Ramonite's commandship, where he wastes a lot of time not really explaining his nefarious plot to become the entire universe. But first, he must find the forgotten Time Lord prison planet Shada, to which the book is the key. On Shada is the most infamous of Time Lord criminals, Sally Avon, a Time Lord with an atypical gift, the ability to project his mind into others, just like Cronotus did earlier when nobody but Claire was looking. The Doctor and Chris track him down, as does Cronotus and Claire. Things go awry and Skagra gets to Shada, discovers that Sally Avon is missing, then discovers that Cronotus is Sally Avon, and with Sally Avon's mind in the sphere now, again, actually, since he'd already mind-sucked Cronotus earlier, who had been Sally Avon all along, Skagra has the ability to project his mind into every living organism in the universe. But he's got the Doctor's mind in there, too. The Doctor, with the help of a stylish helmet that he whipped up in the TARDIS, is able to defeat Skagra and imprison him in his ship. Cronotus, now alive again once more, returns to Cambridge to live out the rest of his retirement in peace. The end. Shada, I, uh, I greatly debated whether I should go back and listen to our previous Shada podcast. Episode um, 211. June 1st, 2015. That's been some time now. Almost, almost four years since we've done this. <clears throat> yeah. And um, Shada doesn't get better every time I watch it, I gotta say. Um, <laughs> and I've watched it at least twice now because they also came out with a DVD that had everything in it and then, I guess, linking narration. The, the Tom Baker linking narration. Yeah, the Tom Baker. VHS. Yeah, and then they, they came out with that in DVD. And then after that, they came out with this animated version yes, which because that was only, that was only about four years ago if that I, I that it may be. even be where i got the animated version from i think it might be one of the bonus features on it i don't remember ah you mean yes you mean what they they're now calling return to sharda the eighth doctor animated sharda yeah which how animated was that i don't remember i know it was a big finish no i think i think you're right i think it was it, it, it was included as an extra on that as a as a flash Thing if you put it into your computer or something yeah i think so i won't swear to it whereas but... if if and and it'll give me a it'll, it'll give you a bit of a clue of my as to my attitude towards um this particular shard release okay. that i was wavering over whether to bother getting it at all and the thing that tipped the balance for me into getting the the uh, steelbook blu-ray was that it has on one of the discs got a proper version of the animated eighth doctor shada so you can pop it in your blu-ray player and and, and actually watch screen. yeah yeah okay all right so i i get it i get a feel for your uh attitude there i i think i, I tell you i tell you I, I mean well we should describe regularly. this animation first right to, for our listeners let's just quickly do the background because i mean regular regular listeners who go enough years back will will know what we thought of shada before and i'm i'm not i don't remember what you thought I, of I shada well i don't <laughs> dis, i don't i don't dislike it I, I i like but you know between then and now um and and, and that in itself was a couple of different versions because there's the you know the the that was that was staged with a completely new cast including a new doctor um a re, in a recording made by big finish and webcast mm-hmm. and those are two slightly different versions of it and since then 
uh, or may, maybe maybe around then, there was also which we didn't uh, look at and didn't uh, review on the podcast in a remarkable show of restraints, uh, an an adaptation of the original Tom Baker version, filling in the gaps with animation. That sounds familiar. Mm. Made privately by Ian Levine with some of the original members of the cast. I forget who. Certainly Lala Ward, probably Daniel Hill. Um, maybe it was John Leeson playing K-9. I don't know. I don't think it involved Tom Baker. Um, but it was basically a similar project to this one, which I think he offered to the BBC and the BBC told him where he could stick it. <laughs> Someone novelised Sharda, James Goss, I think. Um, sounds Gareth right. Roberts may have been somewhere. down to do it and and uh, and gave up on the project. James, Goss. so there's another version of Sharda. I was almost almost tempted by that, um, and then here we have an official BBC attempt at that project to take the original footage and fill in the gaps with animation. But obviously, the gaps themselves they're not like the other lost Doctor Whos that we've looked at where there is an original soundtrack because no soundtrack was already recorded with the original cast. The The production, for those who aren't familiar with it, were, was stood down after strike action disrupted it and they decided not to restage. So the missing scenes, and there are many, were never recorded in any form. Mm-hmm. And so what we've got on this production is a new audio recording with all of the original cast, I think. Uh, minus um, one or two, but yeah. Who are dead. Then. David Brearley. Dead. Oh, I see. They reused, okay. they reused lines from other shows whenever they oh, could. Because I was sure it was David Brearley. Uh, uh, were there any lines from K9 that were not? No, they him? just, if there were any lines that they couldn't find or put together a recording from other stuff, they cut them. Right. Okay. That makes so it sense. Was David. That and makes I think sense. the actor who played Cronotus may have been dead because I noticed he didn't speak really in the animated sections. But I'm not he sure. Does, I didn't. Oh, does he not speak? I was thinking he speaks in that final scene on Sharda. But gosh, okay. I I see. I, I, I made myself sit through it without checking on on <laughs> who was doing the voices because I wanted to judge how good they were if they were not the original voices. And I was. I was extremely um, critical in my head of the guy who was playing uh, Christopher Neem's part because I thought, well, they, you know, why have they cast someone who doesn't even sound like him? But uh, it would seem that it was Christopher Neem, and that it would was. explain that. So, but I didn't check that until the end. So I was like, oh, yeah, you're bloody recasting. <laughs> yeah. So as far as I know, they got everybody who was still alive. Um, and I specifically saw the comment about the David Brierley. I didn't dig deep enough to find out about the actor who played uh, Renotis or Sally Avon, depending on what you want to call him. But uh, uh, we could probably yes. find in, out. Yes, in, in fairness, many of whose scenes, almost all of whose scenes, were actually shot at the time in 1970-whatever. Yeah, his, uh, you know, you can. it's very clear in this episode that, you know, they didn't do anything on Skagra spaceship. They didn't do anything on the command ship. They didn't do anything on... Shada. So yeah. you'll you'll have a scene where they run from the spaceship to Cronotus's TARDIS, and you switch from animated to live action, uh, and vice yeah. versa. Yeah. So which I um, guess we'll come back to. Yeah, and presu- the, presumably Shirley Shirley Dixon. I didn't. I there was Shirley Dixon didn't record anything in the 1970 production. So I don't know whether she was ever cast as the ship or whether that was a 
Good question. Recent casting decision purely for this production. Well, it's yeah, it doesn't. There's nobody there that was done at the time, so yeah, it makes sense. And the actor who played Cronotus was um, Dennis Carey, died in 1986. Okay, so so he definitely wasn't probably voicing not anything we hear in the animation, mm-hmm. but. Does he say anything? I'm going to have to rewatch it. Well, he might have said something like doctor or, you know, something that was so said they could, elsewhere they in the show. they could reuse a line, perhaps. Yeah, just to make it appear that he was... He was definitely there in a couple of scenes, but he didn't uh, He didn't say a lot if he did say anything. Yes. So. so let's start with talking a little bit more about the animation. How did that work for you then? Well, so the... I mean, the, if we just take the quality of the animation on its own, we... We're, look, we're looking at, I mean, I guess it's uh, slightly unusual for a Doctor Who animation house to actually manage to stay in business long enough to do a second story. But <laughs> we're looking at the same crew who put together The Power of the Daleks, which mm. I kind of liked, I think. You know, that it, it wasn't invasion good, but it, was, it, was, it wasn't as bad as... The Ice Warriors, and you know, it had its had it had its strengths, and uh, I kind of felt that it, you know, in terms of taking the animation alone on this, it wasn't too bad either. Um, I wasn't wild about their fourth Doctor. No, he's kind of weird looking. I think they just repurposed their Troughton. They, they really like those eye sacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, um, the Doctor has very dark circles under his eyes, and there's 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 something about the the movement which i still find distressing yes it, it, it's it's like they you know they haven't they haven't put a there's, there's some effort in the the drawing and the backgrounds and all the rest of it but in the actual uh the 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 way in which the the characters move around it's hmm. it's it's quite sort of uh mechanical I, you know, yeah, it's it's not fantastic, but I again, if anyone from the BBC is listening, I'll take it. I, mean, I, I don't even mind the Ice oh, Warriors yes. animation. Yes, yes. I will absolutely take it. You guys just start at the beginning and work your way through these things and, and just get her done, and that will be fine. It It's fine. I think what's more jarring here is... And, and this is going to be a weird one, because we do have episodes where the episode exists and then the next episode is animated and then the episode exists again and it's animated. And you bounce back and forth, so you, you see the, the distinctions. In this particular story, for starters, Tom Baker is a much more animated face in, in real life as the doctor. He's a very, <laughs> right? He's a very, he's, he's, he uses a lot of big eyes and, you know, and gawking and, and, and mugging it up for the camera. And you go from that to the kind of dead animation of the face. And the same in this story, I noticed noticed a lot, in particular with Romana. I'm not a huge fan of Lala Ward as Romana. I much prefer Mary Tam to Romana. But I don't dislike Lala Ward. But in this story and and in... probably City of Death, she is so much more animated. Her face is always, you know, she's in the background and she's reacting to what's going on and she she beams and she, she, again, she's kind of playing it big for the camera in a way, but it looks a lot more natural. And then you go... She likes Douglas Adams. Yeah, and then you go to... Well, we know she likes Douglas Adams. And then you go to the animation and, again, she's pretty much stoic. And, uh, And, of course, the fact that the actress who is performing it is now uh 28 38 years older 
1980, yeah, 30 years old. The animation of the voice doesn't sound the same either, just like Tom Baker's. It, they, they don't have the same brightness to it. And so... All right, all right, all right. It's a little... Uh, there, there, well, there's a... Oh, yes, okay. There's a couple of things. I mean, first of all, on the question of the animation, that's exactly why I said taking the animation on its own. Because when you're switching back and forth from the animation, it is jarring. There's no way around it. And, I mean, I, I, I did make a note, actually, of that first shot of, of panning up into the, the sky when they're punting on the cam. Panning up, panning up into the sky and then panning back down to seeing Chris riding on his bicycle in animated form. Oh, yeah. And, and I knew what they would, you know, as soon as that shot went up, I thought, right, I know what's going to happen when we're, when we're coming down. We're looking at the animated version. This is the transition. But it is just beautifully done, I think. But they must have shot because- that in the first place. With the panning. Well, up. that's the weird. Without, that's the weird yeah. thing. I can't find. I. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to find out. But on, on the the footage you get, the obvious place to look is is the the version they made for for VHS with the Tom Baker linking narration. The footage you get in that cuts from well before you go up to the sky. So I have no idea whether they had to do anything to that shot in order to make it do do what it does. I mean, obviously the. That's that particular location and the sky are still there, so they could have gone gone back and shot that and somehow cut it together. I don't know, but I I, I wanted to pay tribute to the fact that they had obviously thought quite carefully about the difficulties that the audience would have in switching between live action and animated, and that they had kind of let us in gently to it. Because I think it is, I think it is a real weakness. I think it is an issue that your criticisms of how animated Tom Baker is in 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 the live action or whatever. I I I think you could and would just as readily make them towards something involving Patrick Troughton. You know, say, say the invasion cut back and forth in that way. Um, Patrick Troughton is no less animated than than Tom Baker, and Perhaps. and the. The animated scenes are pretty much just as static. The difference is you're being asked to you're being asked to watch something different, and and so you put your head in a in a space where the the input the visual input you're expected to receive, and the, and therefore the work your imagination is doing, and so forth, is different for a full twenty five minutes, and that and that's much easier. To, to do i mean even then i i seem to remember when we when we started out on this journey and when we were watching the invasion i was thinking in some ways what i would prefer to do would be to watch eight episodes of animated invasion because then you wouldn't have the back and forth and i i'd still like to have the six surviving episodes on the dvd because i would still watch them but as a viewing experience it would be different if you sat down and watched some and watched something completely animated and i thought that was what was so interesting about doing power of the daleks because there you got a whole story which was just done in one consistent style and there was no chopping back and forward and i thought that worked really really well and it just astonished me that they chose to do sharda which frankly has been done enough and <laughs> You know, it did. It wasn't on my list of things I felt they needed to do. And 
it was always going to have this problem. It was always going to have this issue with the fact that you'd be sitting there watching it in one mode and then you'd be watching it in another mode. And it's not so bad at the beginning, but by the time you get to the end and they're they're running out of Cronotus's TARDIS onto the ship or whatever, and it's literally, you know, they they run through a door and into the animation. It it it's it you know, it just it starts doing your head in. So I'm gonna talk about another flaw I see in this. And again, I, I'm 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 pleased to trying to put stuff out. Um there's so many other animated projects I would have rather seen than Shada. Um yep. but here's another problem that I think is is the fundamental flaw with this. And I think it's I think it's why we have so many darn versions of Shada. Um there's two things. One there's somebody who obviously thinks everything Douglas Adams ever did was fantastic. And there's obviously someone two. who thinks, no, it's not, because shot is proof of that. And two, um, it's there's some belief that every last scrap of footage that they ever shot is worth keeping on this show. And right. so they have taken this production, which should have been a six-part episode, six one-part episodes... They have edited into a movie, so six they have one part episodes. Six what? Sorry, six one half hour episodes. Sorry, I see what you mean. And and they have edited into a movie, which first off, if you're trying to recreate the original, that's not how you do it. It wasn't. It wasn't written to be one movie. It was written to be six parts. The beats are set for six parts. Yes, and then absolutely, they, and then and, and and they didn't that, edit that almost it. Almost stopped me buying it. And they didn't edit it. They didn't go, okay, well, you know, we've remade this. This is not Shada, the original Shada. I think we can maybe take some of these scenes that are not advancing the plot and cut them out like way too much bicycling. And they could have. <laughs> well, no. there's a lot of wasted footage that I just feel like they've got the guys sitting there going, well, we've got this shot. Probably it would have been lost in edit, but eh, it's real. Let's do it. And they just left everything in absolutely every last scrap of film they've got and they could have too much tea too much making tea and and muffins and and just man it's just a slow dull slog and they've made it worse well (laughs) i I, see i i think that that because so first of all the running time of of the of the finished product is the running time of the original shada so i'm not sure that there is evidence that they would have cut it a lot and furthermore, if you look at other serials from the period, it's not as if they're entirely free from padding. So, oh no, no, no! But you could eliminate the I, padding in when you've converted you could, it to you, a movie. Well, you, you could, could if you trim yes, down if you, some because, yeah, because you're, you're it, defeating well, the you're defeating the format. So why not go at it and say, yeah. yeah, I think we can make this better. Okay, because you're because what you're doing is you're making Sharda 2017, not Sharda. 1980. 1970, whatever. And uh, so, yes, I would agree with that, except that, that what I would actually want, if they're doing this, what what I would actually want, because there is the question of why they're doing this, which I think we'd come back to, I would want the six individual episodes. And it, the fact that when I, you know, when I was thinking of getting this and the, and the, the reviews were sort of positive and I was like, well, all right, you know, maybe despite my skepticism this is going to be worth getting and then i saw as a kind of footnote oh but it's a shame they didn't present it or at least offer the option of presenting it in the six individual episodes and i thought what no you know no what's what why would i be 
surely the whole point of this project is to present the Sharda that would have been. And, and I'm just going to add, they put the 1980 BBC intro at it to try to make it even look more like what the original project would be. I know. Like, and then I they know. change it. It makes no sense I, at all. I, I see that 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 did just that did just kind of irritate irritate me that that intro because it's it's a, yes it's a reminder of the fact that what they what they're trying to do is set something up that is a a recreation. Now, I can, so the 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 criticisms of it's back it's back and forth between the between the footage and the and the animation that that makes me wonder you know well. With some of the other animations, Tenth uh, Planet or whatever, let's 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 pick on Tenth Planet. They re- they reconstructed the missing fourth episode, mm-hmm. and they've tried to do it as pretty much as faithfully as they can, so that it it fits with the other episodes. And now you can watch a completed serial. But the fourth episode, no one would mistake it for the original. No one would go, oh. I was I wasn't looking too closely, and I thought that was the actual live action episode come back. No, we know it is an animation, and a recognition of that fact is that they don't even with like key scenes like Hartnell regenerating into Troughton, where the actual genuine original footage does still exist. They don't splice that back in. There's no kind of cut back and forth because presumably they've weighed it up and they've decided that the better viewing experience is you just sort of sit there and have an episode that is animated and if you want to then go and watch the remaining scraps of footage, well, you can do so. Just put it on the DVD so, and there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we've got here isn't quite that. What what they're trying to do is they're trying to present to you what is essentially a bunch of scraps of footage and the animation is, it's even more so than with the animated missing episodes. It's filler in order to make it possible for you to watch the original footage and mm. yet still be able to kind of follow a through narrative in a yeah. way that, it, 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 you know, however, however engagingly Tom Baker presents it in the, in the linking narration, you just don't quite get from his sort of pricey of of the 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 unfilmed action in that version yeah. and so in view of that again i would say that argues for you to try and recreate something that is as close to the original as it would have been which includes putting the beginning and end bumpers in and <laughs> you know if for no other reason and not i'm not saying they're the greatest cliffhangers in doctor who history right especially the the chain link gate um but you know that as you say those are the beats and those scenes almost don't make any sense unless you get the shriek and the play out yep over it i I get i get this when i'm listening to to big finish uh my daughter and i listen to big finish uh, when i take her to school and bring her home every night so we're watching we're listening to these things you know maybe the majority of a single episode of the classic range uh each day and or each way, the majority of a single episode in each transit. And so we'll get to one cliffhanger a day through that technique, and we'll be sitting there in the car, and you'll be going along, and you'll go, and cue, because you know yes. when they're building up to it. And it's Which wrong is how it when it be, doesn't frankly. happen. And, and yes. you see it in Shada from time to time, and you go, that, I think that might have, I think when he's dying of no air, that might be one. And I think well, of the course- chain link finch might be one. And... But we know the cliff. Well, I know the cliffhangers from knowing the story, but it, yeah, you still, yeah, you, it, 
you want the payoff. The payoff is the theme tune. Mm -hmm. And that cheat they do, like when he's at the chain link fence and you know at the end of the first episode it looked like it was all over for the Doctor. But then when they play it the next time, the sound of the TARDIS materializing has been added to the mix. Yeah. Like it was this time. So there was never any suspense at all there. It's there in the VHS version. Is it? You know, they, they actually... Yeah, that version has the individual episodes. Even oh, it has the episodes okay. get get shorter and shorter as they there's more and more narration in them. It's still got the proper cliffhangers and the proper and the full titles and then intro titles to the next episode. And if someone could take the care to do that when actually all they'd done was edit together the footage with a bit of Tom Baker sat in a cupboard, well, I don't understand why they couldn't do it when they had gone to all of the trouble of remastering all of this and and actually getting the as many of the original actors as they could back together in order to restate an audio soundtrack. I mean, it's a it's a lot of work they have done it for is. this one. And and Why some spoil yeah. the ship for a hapeth of tar. And 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 some of you know, I I make fun of the bicycling. Yeah, I know they do bicycles at Cambridge. I like bicycles. A bicycle rider. I'm not opposed to bicycles. It doesn't make the most compelling television. Um, but <laughs> not a you know, there's a, viewer then. No, <laughs> but you see, like there's this scene where Chris is riding away from Chronotus's and he is on a bike, and then you see the scene where he shows up in his lab, and you see him ride the bike or walk the bike past the window before he comes around and enters the room. And I like that. Except that I like we that. didn't need I mean, it. I, I, I mean, could they have spent that did, money on you did something need else? It. You did need it. I mean, so there is, there is. I will concede there is a question dramatically over whether you need that. I quite liked it from an aesthetic point of view, but there is, there is a different need for it, which is that that is the first animated shot. So what, what you're getting then is the transition to the animation so i feel like that sequence is actually quite important Hmm. it was lost on me it was lost on me i you know when it went to animation i thought oh it's animation and then they're like i go they could have just started that with him walking in the door of his lab because we already knew he was in transit so they spent money on that and that i think that's probably the part that gets me it's like if we assume that animation has a set cost per second (laughs) and there apparently it's quite quite as expensive then I don't know. It, it just seemed it just seemed like they didn't know what they were after here. Maybe that shot was in the original. Maybe they have a maybe they have the documents that the shot list and the how the camera was going to be staged. And maybe they went for that and went for every shot, just like they had every shot of, of the bike riding. And, and they just said, we're just going to animate everything that should have been done. Absolutely. Positively. We're just not going to bother with the cliffhangers. Ah! But like. <laughs> And, and, you know, we got to fill out the time, so we're going to make sure it's the full length, even though we're not doing a six-episode show for Aaron. I, I, enough, 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 enough harping on that. All right. Now, I debated whether I should go back and listen to the podcast for, to see, to make sure I'm not repeating stuff that I said before. But I, 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 you know, I also am watching the episode and taking some notes about the episode itself, because this is not the same as the, um, uh, the Paul McGann version, because they... You know, did some work on it, um, and some of the things. Well, like, we get a different, different doctor kind of different attitude here and there. We get, we get some different performances. But uh, so, I want to, I want to point out here that of of all the series of Doctor Who, 
17 kind of sucked. <laughs> it's, it's not a good one. Um, and I don't know. You know, uh, Graham Williams? Yeah, Graham Williams. Um, he did all right with The Key to Time. He did all right with the horror of Fang Rock season. Um, I mean, there are some I things I don't like. I, I, I love The Key to Time. There are some things about this, the, the style and the design that changed that you know changed again when John Nathan Turner that I'm not really crazy about but but season 17 and, and unfortunately this is in my mind is inextricably linked with Romana too um it's not really her no. fault it's not her fault and you know it's, it's not because because season 18 which is brilliant is Romana heavy it, right. it, 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 I think I think it was it was due a change of producer yeah so Shada is not good <laughs> I mean it's not Horns of Nyman bad, but it's close. Um, Nightmare, I kind of like Nightmare Eating. It's not Creature, no, no. Creature of the Pit. Um, you know, these are not good. It's just not a good run of stories. And we have Douglas Adams as the script editor at this point in time. And as I kind of get from the interviews and stuff, this was not a job he was suited to do. Um, he he didn't, I don't think he pulled this together, particularly I, when he was writing himself. I didn't think he was script editor in season 17. The only season he was script editor, wasn't it? Oh, okay. Because the prior I, to that was I, Key to Time. And and I don't think Yeah, he was no, you're right. You're right. It would have to be season 17. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, um, I thought he left the show earlier. Than that. Anyway, yes. But, so, you know, there's some problems with the story itself that just isn't, just, it's, it's part of a bad stretch of Doctor Who and it's not, fantastic but I, I you know it's got that it's got that reputation because it's it's douglas adams and it really is his lesser work of all the stuff i've ever read from douglas adams or seen this has got to be in my opinion the poorest thing he's done bar none and yes you probably you're probably right but it's still douglas adams and but here's the it, thing it is it's still good it's the the this, I mean, okay, you're not going to agree with that, and we could rehash episode two thousand uh, two hundred eleven all over again. But for me, what I've gathered from watching this, which is definitely the best way to appreciate the performances in the original stuff that that was shot, mm-hmm. because you do have this through narrative, and you and it does give you the ability to judge it in a context where. You can you can you can kind of follow it through. It is coloured, and I I guess we come back to this. It is coloured by the 2017 performances by the same actors, which you're obviously switching back and forth from. But just just looking at the at, at the kind of stuff that was that was shot at the time now, and comparing it as we can do to an alternative um, realization of the material, I don't think that it is a good production. I think it's badly directed i mean yeah i think I roberts is a good good director but he he's not making the most of the the material that he's he's got because the because douglas adams does comedy and it needs it's a direct not well directed yeah yeah and i i thought uh i thought dennis carey who i don't know from anything else was keeper of tracking good grief he's the keeper is he Yes, that was his other. And that's doctor only who. a year later. Well, I think he was under makeup at that time. But, Remarkable. Yeah. Um, well, okay. I mean, because because I think he, I think his performance as a keeper is excellent. So I was get, I was wondering whether he was he was miscast or badly directed. I, I mean, obviously, Cronotis, the performance is supposed to give you confused old man, but half the time what I was getting was rather confused actor playing old man, and it it just it doesn't 
it doesn't hang together and the the the, the comparison is against a cast that you know has uh Susanna Harker and uh, and James Fox for goodness sake and uh, and um uh Hannah Gordon playing the ship fantastic uh, Andrew Sachs uh, Sean Biggerstaff it's it the 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 new version the newer version or the to the the early 21st century version is extremely well directed i think it's uh, nicholas pegg and 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 it has a stellar cast and they really do make the most of the material um and and it has the proper canine in it you know i i can't get over the fact that when i see canine it should be john neeson's voice so although i appreciate that they've gone to the trouble of filling in the bits with clips of David Brearley. It's wrong. <laughs> I I think they should at least have included an alternate track on the DVD where they got John Leeson to just revoice all of it. I was going to ask you if they should have done me. that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But then they could Absolutely. have they should have done that with all of the old Doctor Who's by that stretch two in season def- 17. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Because he because John Leeson's John Leeson's canine is just an absolute delight. I'm so glad the canine big finish and did a load of these because the canine it, proper box set. They can sell those as a separate reissue now where they take series 17, well, redub John Leeson, pop it down, sell it for some more money. I, I, I think when it comes out on Blu-ray, I shall be very disappointed if they haven't included that. Um <laughs> But you know the 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 my overall feeling is is that what we what we are seeing here in terms of the shortcomings of Sharda 2017 are not as much to do with the material, which I'll agree is is Adam's weakest work. But it but but it's not that it's it's it can be a load better. We know that because we have seen it better elsewhere. He, you know least. he's he is high concept. I think I think I can safely say that yeah. that Doug Allen high concept and high concept does not lend itself to long form. So for starters, when he'd been doing no. this story, when he was doing this story, he'd have been much parts. better if it had been four parts. Hitchhikers, well, okay, he struggled. Yes, all right. Hitchhikers, he didn't manage to write all six episodes of Hitchhikers, and the LP version and the book are only the first step four adapted. So maybe. Yeah, all right. I, if yes, if he was if he if he were starting out writing a script that was intended as a four-part serial, he might have done a better job at it, and it, we might not be judging it his weakest work. Yes, it's still Douglas Adams, though. Yeah, which I, I don't never have thought fit very well in the Doctor Who universe. So I'm kind of I'm kind of on the fence there. Uh, I like Pirate Planet. Everything fits in the Doctor Who universe. I like Pirate Planet. City of Death is. Okay. City of Death is great. It's got its moments. It's also it also doesn't make a lot of sense in places where they just don't bother to they have stuff that they just don't even bother to explain. It has no bearing on the plot. Like the well, guy maybe drawing read a picture of the Dirk time Gently's lady. Well, holistic detective agency. Right. Well, but that came afterwards. He took his work and he and he's added another draft. Yeah. He's and taken he fixed another it. Yeah, he fixed it. <laughs> right? First drafts are not his strong suit either and this is well, he's a never first been good draft. at deadlines. Yeah. Well, it shouldn't be a first sentence. draft. It was being shot. I mean, it's not like it didn't get finished because the script didn't get finished. It didn't get finished because they couldn't finish filming it. But they started, by which yeah. point... Okay, but, with Douglas okay. Adams, you couldn't guarantee it. But by Douglas which point, Adams they was, should have had a script. He was the script editor, so he had work to do on all the other scripts. He'd already written one script that season for 
City of Death, and this is the last production of the season. I'm going to say that I'd be willing to bet that Douglas Adams was typing right up to the last minute. It feels yes, like I it. Think- don't think you'll get any takers yeah i i think it it has that feeling i think that if he had plopped this out and said well we're not going to make this this year and then he'd written a book out of it a few years later which in a way he has it would be better and it just it yeah. there's so many there's, you know too well, many he, coincidences he james it, it just, has. well he did he did the it, book it, right? but i'm talking about, it would be been it, it, it would be in get, didn't parts of this get worked into dirk gently's as well no, Dirk, Dirk Gently is. Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. That's a good question. Did part of this get worked into Dirk Gently? Can't remember now, but I felt like some of this Cronoda stuff was. But yes, it is. Yes, of course it is. Yes, including the name. Yeah, there's Professor Reg Cronotis. Yes, yes, it does. Yes, it does get worked into Dirk Gently, which I miss. Yes, I missed when we were talking about all of the different versions of Sharda that we've got, because in some ways that is the, the best one. I don't know whether James Goss fixes some of these things in his in his novel version, but I think the question of, of I mean, you've alluded to the fact that it that it you, you think it needs editing. So we, we come back to whether what we are trying to do is produce a new version that is fixed or whether we're trying to produce something that is very much like it would have been in the in the 1970s and again i think the issue here is this falls between two stools i mean i keep coming back to this this is the this is the real weakness with this whole project you can do you can do various things with sharda one would be you just try and do an absolute faithful recreation i think it's this is much nearer to what they've done another would be you try and take what you've got but just um so let let's say you're you i mean you you have to restage parts of it Mm -hmm. um and so what you what you could what you could do is you'd say well let's let's fix it let's let's make some script changes but actually when you when you're going down that route what you might do is say well, let's fix all the other bits as well. In fact, let's restage the whole thing. In fact, let's do what Big Finish did, which is let's just recast everyone and do it properly. And to me, that gives you a, a better result because think people of are, it. Yeah, I think it would be a better result, but I think people are going to be looking at that going, but what about the Tom Baker footage? Well, they are. <laughs> what are we going to do with but, that? But that, yeah. that, that, is, that, is, that is kind of still there. And, and, and so here's the other problem, which I, you've also mentioned, which, which um, comes up from switching between the live action stuff and the animated stuff, which is that they have had to restage the recording or they have had to mount a recording of the missing stuff because it, it never existed with the original cast because it has to fit in between the existing footage but the original cast is almost 40 years older and it and it and it wasn't so much Lala Ward's performance that I was focusing on in this as it was Tom Baker's because I've always had you know since Tom Baker did start playing the doctor again in the in the big finish stories I've always been trying to put my finger on exactly what it is that is off about his performance because far more than any of the other big Finnish doctors even someone like peter davison's whose voice has changed so completely and yet the performance is still for me it still kind of rings true to the performance that he was giving in the early 80s when he was on screen and tom baker's doesn't quite and sharda is an opportunity where you actually get to watch 1970s tom baker and then literally seconds later listen to 
present day Tom Baker doing his performance as the Doctor and and they sound very similar because obviously they're both Tom Baker but what I think it is is that Tom Baker as the Doctor when he was on TV gave a performance as the Doctor that was quite laconic and also quite deliberately and almost gleefully unexpected in the way that he gave the performance so he wouldn't do the obvious thing so when you expected him to be angry or urgent he would sort of pull back and he would he would you know his voice would drop or he would be, he would become very gentle he you know when he was when you expected him to shout he would whisper it would always be he would always be looking for some way to to put you off off guard because that's what the performance is it's a very sort of uh it, it's it's slightly alien in its unexpectedness. Okay, so I'm going to add to that. You, you, right, his performance is like that, but a lot of that performance was his physicality. Yes. Which yes. we cannot get in Big Finish. Well, we can because I think you get that in the voice. If you close your eyes and you listen to him doing it on screen, you do get a lot of that. Mm. What I What I think is different about Tom Baker now is that you, there is something that about that young man because it, because he was he was one of the quite you know young people or maybe not so much when he was doing Sharda but he was young playing the Doctor and there's an almost effortlessness to his performance you know think of him especially compared to Pertwee but sticking his feet on top of the windscreen of the Land Rover in Robot and just you know lying back with his hat over his it's that kind of that effortlessness and what you get now is someone who is trying to recreate his performance as the Doctor putting a huge amount of effort into sounding like Tom Baker did then 40 years ago playing the doctor it's, it's almost like listening to John Coulter or someone doing a, a a doctor who impression it it it's the reason i don't like mimicry you know the 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 the, the, the kind of tim trelaw pretending to be john pertwee type thing because what they're actually doing what Tom Baker is himself doing is picking out those aspects of his performance back then that are most recognisable and and playing them up. And it doesn't have that kind of very laid back feel to it. And I mean, that sounds very critical of Tom Baker. The guy is 183 or something. Yeah, yeah. The, he's, the just about reached, he could... he's just about reached the age that his doctor was when he was playing the doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the, so the, the, the idea that he could in some way give that same kind of effortlessness or or youthful laid back performance now is you know it's it's just no one could no one could so so you can't you can't criticize him for that but that's what i think is the difference between the tom baker performance today and the tom baker performance in 70 whatever and the issue bringing it all back to to Sharda 2017 the issue that that gives you is as you switch back and forth once again you're presented you're you know you're you get used to the one performance and then boom suddenly you're in animation and you're getting the 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 kind of heightened more predictable performance and then boom suddenly yeah you're back again but only for for one scene you can't relax into it because away we go on the animation again I will say this I think uh I recall you saying that you were not particularly following the Big Finish Tom Baker adventures. Um, I, 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 I have point. been. Um, I think he's definitely gotten better through the, I the would Big agree. Finish. The early I've been, ones I've been were listening, kind of painful. I've been dipping into series eight, I think it is, and he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But he still doesn't sound like he still doesn't sound like 
70s Tom Baker. It doesn't matter hugely because you're listening to an entire story with just the performance he's giving now. And once you get used to it and you get into it, that's okay. But you can't do that with this Sharda. Right, right. Um, Let's see. What else we got here? Um, Again, uh, you know, story-wise, it just feels like there's too many characters. I like Claire. I don't know why she's in this story. They could have trimmed a lot of this out. But um, one of the things that bugs me about this, because it is being staged as if it's part of series 17, and it would have bothered the heck out of me in series 17 if it had been at the time. And there are instances where it's already a problem in series 17, but nowhere is it worse than in this episode. Where is the randomizer? The TARDIS is unflyable in series 17 and they don't fix it until series 18 in the leisure hive. Right? I mean, that's, I, that is I get, fundamental I get, yeah, principle I of the that, series. But, but that's part of the, part of the problem with going back and pretending that Sharda occurs between series 17 and 18 is that when they made the leisure hive, they, they knew that, 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 that Sharda wasn't going to be shown. So they could say we fixed the randomizer knowing that, the preceding episode, the randomizer wasn't fixed. Well, they no. In, I'm, in, not, I'm not saying. I, I I'm not saying there is a. They, in they the leisure hive, they destroyed the they, randomizer. Sorry, yes. They 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 took it out so, and used it for something yeah. else. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, yes. Wow. Getting it back to front. What I, what I'm not saying is that they would have inserted such a scene into Sharda had it got. What what I'm what I'm saying is that I think it probably wasn't in Graham Williams' mind to do anything at all with the randomizer. They would probably have just forgotten about it. What's weird about that is that they went... The, I mean, this is this is series 17. This is They started it at the beginning. Well, they started it in the last scene of series 16. And, you know, this was, this was a, a problem that they, they dealt with throughout the entirety of series 17. I, I can't imagine that people working on this were just like, eh, we'll just forget about it today. Because they did. Well, I think they were because the point the point about the randomizer wasn't to create a new series arc. The point about the randomizer was to snap away from this problem of the TARDIS having become too predictable. Yep. The reason the TARDIS had become the reason the TARDIS had become too predictable was just because they drifted into writing it that way. And I suspect they would have ended up drifting back into writing it this way. And I suspect that was what was happening with Sharda. And I think when John Nathan Turner took over, knowing what had come before, the reason he could write a scene or he could have written a scene where the randomizer was explicitly removed was because it it followed on for, and and he and he wanted to he wanted to show that because he was coming in as a new broom and he wanted to show what was different. And I think there therein lies the thing about this. Sharda Sharda didn't happen between series seventeen and series eighteen, and everyone make everyone making the show thereafter knew that. And now we have. What is now known as Return to Sharda, but the the uh, 2003 webcast version of Sharda, which had this whole scene in it about how they were taken out of time when they were punting on the cam by the sequences in the Five Doctors. Five Doctors is another example where they knew Sharda hadn't been broadcast. They could therefore use footage from it. Mm-hmm. And so going back and say, oh, well, actually, we pretend that Sharda did happen. But it doesn't quite work with the continuity of the show anymore. Sorry. So it's always going to be a, a, a sidestep, an oddity, a, a kind of museum artifact, if you like, than a real part of canonical Doctor Who, if you make it 
a, a kind of showcase for the scraps of footage as they were filmed back then. Mm. Three things I want to bring out, and I'm then I can turn over to anything else. With it. And these are nitpicks or big picks, however you want to look at. It, but they're just in watching this particular version of the story as it was. There were there were three things that really stood out to me that that glared in there. This doesn't make sense. The first is why did Chris take that book? Who? How? Anyone could go to someone and say, can I borrow some books on carbon dating? And they say, oh, they're down there. (laughs) And you pick books. I I don't know about you, but I never, ever pick a book in a language I can't read without knowing what the title of the book is and walk away with it, which is exactly what he did. That makes no sense whatsoever. I, 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 I think there may have been some dialogue in there. In the webcast version, I may have to go back and check because because it within the expert obviously it's adapted for audio essentially mm-hmm. the the for, for those who haven't seen the webcast version or heard our discussion of it is not animation like the animation we're seeing here because you know we're we're talking about fifteen years earlier and we're talking about something that went out online and it's essentially a bunch of still images so. Showing mm-hmm. that someone is browsing a bookshelf to scan for a particular title is beyond what you could actually see on screen. And therefore, in adapting it, it has to resort to the kind of devices you get on audio of things like people talking to themselves. And I wonder if, I, ca- I can't remember, it's not that recently that I last listened to it, but I wonder if in that Chris is kind of talking to himself about what he's seeing on the bookshelves. And perhaps in that bit of description, there's some explanation of why he why it takes his interest because i think you're right it's just not clear here it doesn't it doesn't make any sense whatsoever the second thing is that douglas adams has always written fanciful stuff um i'm mm-hmm. right and and again i i think it jars a little too much with doctor universe but that's a different discussion it works <laughs> it Dr. works Who's great not fanciful. well doctor who is fanciful but i don't think uh i don't think an infinite improbability drive falls under the you know from a cup of tea is at that level, I think when they've taken at that point, that's the problem. No, with no, a, lot but of what... a, a police box that can travel through time and space is perfectly viable just... explanation for that. Yeah. Though, I mean, a perfectly reasonable explanation for that in that context. Like, okay, camouflage. Camouflage is a good answer. T is not. You know, <laughs> it's like, but any, but but <laughs> well, okay. Tea. They don't even bother. It's just like it's a cup of tea, and you just it's because tea. Everybody knows improbability in a tea. I mean, it's like no, you don't. But all right, but right, fine. You no, write fanciful stuff, but but Douglas Adams is also was was a strong advocate of empirical skepticism and science in in mm-hmm. his personal uh existence. So what he did wrong with carbon dating is so egregious in this story. First off, to do carbon dating, you have to be able to measure the atomic material in an object. The book per the dialogue has no atomic structure. You can't carbon date it. <laughs> You can't carbon date something that is synthetic because it has to be organic. Yeah. It had to have ingested the atmospheric conditions to get a level of carbon-14 that can be then measured after it dies because then it starts decaying. So it had to be alive. The book is obviously artificial. The book has no atomic structure. You can't carbon date it. And you can't carbon date something that's non-terrestrial. At least you couldn't with terrestrial carbon dating because the whole point is that we measure what the carbon-14 level was at that time. We don't know what the carbon-14 level is on Gallifrey, so you couldn't, you couldn't make that assessment. And, and it certainly couldn't measure reverse time. 
oh, it's negative 20,000 or negative 10,000. Like, wow, that one just just hits me like a hammer to the skull. That is the stupid sign. That's on par with kill the moon. It's so bad. It really bugs me <laughs> watching it. I know it's supposed to give you a comedy moment about, oh, time travel, it's in the future, but it's like, no, it's just wrong. I have my, have my say there. And the third and final one is, how long were those guys on the IASS station with no minds? Because when the doctor gets there... they got long fingernails. they got really long fingernails, which, if I'm not mistaken, fingernails grow at the same rate that the uh, the continents move around here, which I think is half an inch a year. Uh, of course, they're God aliens. Be mine grow faster than that. I feel like mine grow that fast, but it, it's not... It's not super fast, but their beards, I mean, I couldn't grow that beard in a year. I guess some people could. The hair length. They've well, been yeah, there a long time. That way. They've been there a long time. Would you agree? Yes. They should be dead. Why did they not starve to death? <laughs> I mean, I'll grant you that they're not going to have a big Life pile sports? of poo <laughs> in the corner where they're all huddled up and just functioning, but I... Like and and I thought Skagra just came from there. Isn't that what we were told? Skagra spaceship left from there, and it's a three-month journey. So at most, those guys should have been there three months since Skagra left, unless he's capable of time well, traveling. Well, it's a return journey, isn't it? Wouldn't the return journey be roughly the same? So six months. Yeah, yeah. By the time the doctor got there, but the doctor didn't take six months to get back. He got there in three minutes because no. of his yes. changes. So. Six, oh, yes, I see what you mean, yes. Three, three months. They, unless time travel is involved, it's three months, and even three months, thinking they should be dead. Anyway. And, of course, the fact that, yes, their brains have been sucked out unless you connect them to someone else's brain, and then it's still there. Right. Okay, do you have anything else about Shada, which I, I, I genuinely, genuinely hope, I genuinely hope that this is the last time we ever review Shada. <laughs> will probably be the last time I ever watch it. it's going to sit unwatched forever on my DVD shelf from now on. It's just no way I'm going to watch this one again. But (sighs) I think I, I think I might give it another watch. I'm still, I'm still every time I watch it, I'm going to be annoyed about the episodes. Um, I'm vaguely hoping that when they come to release the season 17 full box set, which I presume will include another copy of Sharda, hooray, um, (laughs) that they will let at that point go back and put the, the beginning and the ends of the episodes in. Because if I'm going to watch a Tom Baker version of Sharda, it is going to be this one with the animation. For all my, for all my criticisms of, you know, the, the cutting back and forth and, and all the rest of it, it's the best that we've got of that version of the story. Um, and if, if we're wrapping up, just so that we end on a, an up note. Oh, well, <laughs> okay. The score for this is superb in my opinion because one th- one thing about it is i don't as far as i know i'm pretty sure about this when they made the the when they made it back in the 70s they they wouldn't have got to putting a score to it because that would have happened in post production they didn't finish production so there's the vhs version which has the kef McCulloch score on it not my favorite score Okay, um, McCullough can't do anything. Can't do good scores. <laughs> but yeah, I was right. go- yes because I'm not necessarily a McCullough aficionado. Whereas, and I and I hadn't looked up who who'd written uh, this score. I just Mark Ayers. It, I know it's I I have now, but uh, the 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 point when I put it in, it 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 just it immediately 
struck me that that um, not only was it new and and properly you know it it runs across the animation and everything but actually it's 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 a it's a really it's the it's the kind of music that i would happily listen to as a separate soundtrack on its own and yet it suits the episode to a t you know mm. it, it it fits the ear and everything so absolutely bravo if the if there is one thing that has unquestionably been worthwhile in producing this new set it is it is this fabulous new score I, I'll, I'll say I did look up some information on the score. And yeah, Mark Ayers, who's apparently friends with Dudley Simpson, uh, contacted him before he died to see if he could get him to work on it. Oh, found okay. out found out that he was too ill to do the work. So he did it. Hence the dedication. Well, yeah, and he died, I guess, probably during the, <clears throat> the process as well. And um, Mark Ayers deliberately tried to go into the style of Dudley Simpson. Yeah. I'm not aware I, I definitely Mark, Mark can Ayers. feel some of um, I can feel some of City of Death in it. It's a little mm-hmm. evocative of City of Death. So it 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 I agree. It does have the feel for it is not as awful as the Dudley Simpson scores from <laughs> that era because I think he's instrumented it differently. I, I'm not a fan of Dudley yes. Simpson. I I, I, I I no I I think this score is is instrumented in instruments is that i don't know how, what, what the word is, is. anyway i know exactly <laughs> arranged but yes yeah, well the instrumentation is 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 actually quite modern sounding so it didn't it didn't i didn't listen to it thinking oh my goodness did they find some original music that had somehow been written for this i didn't <laughs> i i it, it it sounds too modern for that but at the same time it has it has the sensibility to fit with the era and the story and everything. And I, I'm not aware that Mark Ayres has scored anything. I know, I know he worked for the Radiophonic Workshop during the certainly the the late '80s on the show. Am I right? So he would have yes. been doing sound and then he's done a huge amount with the restoration team, etc. But I didn't know that he had done any other compositions. Um, and this is great. Trying to see if I can uh, find anything on him. As a composer, he provided incidental music on Doctor Who. Um, oh, 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 no, not good. <laughs> no, 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 no. Two out of three, I really don't like, and the third, I kind of don't like. Greatest show in the galaxy, Ghostlight, Curse of Fenric. Uh, oh. So he was composer on those ones? Yeah. All right, okay. I will re-listen to those with with some interest. I, I mean, they're not as bad as Kef McCullough. I'll give him that. They're not. But he is thankfully not gone with that era sound either. He is he is definitely gone with with something a little no. more. Um, the 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 Kef McCulloch Shard score is very much not any attempt to be a 1970s score. No. Yeah. I I I I think they did as well as they could have done um, in putting it in there. I I I, I don't know that I would thought I was. Wanted to rush out and buy the soundtrack, but heck, I'll go out and buy Dudley oh, Simpson soundtracks uh, of Doctor Who. So uh, even though I don't like them, I'll do it because they evoke they evoke Doctor Who. Right? There, there is that there's that emotional mm-hmm. attachment. They have, you know, I think the only one that I just I can't listen to are Gary Blyton, uh, Sea Devils, and that's Gary Blyton, isn't it? I'm not sure. And then there's one, and I know I'll get hate from this it's uh uh wow can't think of the name of the episode it's it's extremely popular i can't stand it uh part of the reason i can't stand it is caves of andrazani caves of andrazani yeah horrible soundtrack 
put just I can't remember who did that. I don't know who did it, but it's like listening to somebody's fingernails on a chalkboard to me. Uh, it, it, it's yeah, no. Anyhow, but this is oh, not like that. No, no, no. I think it's great. The, the other, the other thing, the other thing to mention in the in the in the very much plus column is, of course, that I don't say Tom Baker cameo because obviously Tom Baker is. Oh, how could we forget most that? of this? But the you know the the eighty three year old Tom Baker appearing at the end there, um, which I, I I knew was coming up. I mean, it was it was uh, quite widely publicised at the time. So I think unless you unless you got a pre order and watched it on the day it arrived, it wouldn't have been a surprise to anyone. But nevertheless, it was just really really lovely. It was a surprise to me. Really, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I oh, didn't. Fantastic. I didn't know it was coming. I when the TARDIS appeared. Uh, the console, and it was an actual TARDIS console. I'm like, huh? Because that that there, that there hasn't been any TARDIS in footage. Any of the in this. footage. Yeah. yeah, something was wrong there. And then when they showed his head under it, it's like, why would they? Why would they do the scene and have him hanging under the? Maybe he's never going to pop his head out of the console and just talk from under well, there. It's like, why would they go to the expense of doing this? And yeah. And well, it's, it's pity they didn't old. get someone who was slightly more convincing body double. I thought, but. Yes. Also, I, I although I although I was quite happy with having him under the console because it's a do- doctorish thing to do, and the shot is framed in a plausible way. Having Romana quote outside the door, <laughs> shouting through, really yeah. didn't work for the length of time she had to do. It. I thought, you know, why why not get a straw hat and a, a cotton dress and a body double for her and shoot her from behind you know shoot her over the hat or something so all you all you kind of see is the brim but yeah Ah, yeah. but anyway it it was worth it it was worth it for for that laugh yeah it as i recall the ending of the story is just the doctor reminiscing about the fact that someday that's what people will say about me yes right there's, yeah, there's so, no so aspect in, of him it, actually getting old. But uh, I, I will say no, this. Says, he's, no, he, no it, it, it does say it, it because the line is something like in, in oh, no, 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 years. Physically getting old. And they'll, and they'll say, what a nice old man. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, that was that was the actual ending of the, the show, that line. But there is nothing in the story about him physically being transformed into an old man at that moment. That's just. Oh, no, that's that's the next story. Yeah, that's the next story. And I got to say, they did a more convincing job on this than they did in the next story. I don't know. I thought it was pretty unrealistic. Aesthetic. <laughs> I mean, he looks, he definitely looks more like an old man in this one than he does in Leisure Hive. Um, but, well, yeah. But they did, I mean, they didn't age him up. They just, that, you know, they got him back. They just got him, him back. Costume, it just yeah. happens to be 40 years later. So there you go. If it, it, I think it's a, it's a, it's a happy fit with the line. It's obviously kind of, at the end, at the end, it, it fits with the and now on BBC One pre-title sequence and the fact that we've just watched a whole serial where we know that it's switching back and forth from animation and therefore, in some sense, that has in itself broken the illusion. And so this is just a nod to the fact that yeah. it is an illusion and it's just so charming. Yeah. Funny thing is, I think the next stop is that he goes to become the uh, curator of the uh, the Black Archive at that <laughs> point. <or> never. <laughs> Anyway, all right. Well, Simon, thank you. It's a pleasure as always. And uh, I think you know this is slotted in as a special episode somewhere along the line. I can say almost with certainty that the next animated Doctor Who story we're going to talk about is going to be the Macra Terror. Macra Terror. Yay! This one I'm looking forward to. (laughs) 
<laughs> in a big way. Oh, I forgot one. I forgot one other thing, which is that there is that um, between the night this 2017 Sharda and the 2003 webcast Sharda, there is one common cast member. Romana. Nope. Oh yes. <laughs> okay, so there's two right, common yeah. cast members. Did you think of that? Yes, of course. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, that makes that rather less special. I, sp- I know I spotted that the Krags were played by Barnaby Edwards in both cases. Oh, okay. <laughs> I forgot about Romana. Of course, Romana is in it. Yes. So, yes. Oh well. Oh well. <laughs> and and canine. No, no, it's different canine. Uh, it is a least... different canine, which was part of my thing. There we go. <laughs> well, listeners. I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at FusionPatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. <laughs>